To paraphrase Mr. Miyagi from the 1984 classic film, The Karate Kid, there's no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher. Now, hear us out. While we here at the GLG avoid shame and blame where teachers are concerned, we can all admit that there are some lessons that are certainly more engaging than others, right? But why? And what does engagement really even mean? We're here to discuss this concept in our very favorite way, using a metaphoric lens. This time, we've set Karate Kid and Netflix's Cobra Kai in our sights. So, join us for another two-part series for what we hope will be an engaging conversation. Welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, La Capitana Casey Veach, team skeptic and idea slinger of spaghetti, Emily Coquelin, and me, clarifying the GLG butter, Jenny Labrie. In Netflix's Cobra Kai and its predecessor, the Karate Kid movie franchise, students are taught the art of karate very differently. Cobra Kai's Way of the Fist teaches students through the lens of strike first, strike hard, and show no mercy. Miyagi-Do, on the other hand, stands in the opposite direction. Karate is for defense only. And the proof is in the outcomes. These martial arts students from rival dojos do in fact learn karate and achieve recognition and success. But do recognition and success actually mean the same thing as authentic student engagement? Our intention for part one in this two-part series is to discuss the types of engagement or non-engagement we see in students to help listeners determine, are the students in any of these dojos or our classrooms truly engaged? All right, ladies, so we must have liked the two-parter so much that we decided to go back into that land. But this is fun. I like this format. What do you think? I do, too. Yeah, for sure. Emily, the other thing is, as we left off our previous episode, you were talking about this holy grail of engagement. Is this not a topic that we are all hearing all over the place? Right? Yeah, for sure. All right. So since we've got our metaphor foot planted in Karate Kid and Cobra Kai land, could we get a little synopsis on that for those who are not as well acquainted with the show? Absolutely. And I will fully out myself as somebody who did not see the original Karate Kid movie, at least that I can recall, or any of its following renditions or revisits or versions. And Cobra Kai was always a show I wanted to watch, but was always put on the back burner for something else. But I absolutely fell in love with it within the last couple of months. And in this particular show, it picks up years later, one of the main characters from the original Karate Kid movie, Johnny Lawrence, who lost to Daniel LaRusso in the All Valley Karate Tournament. So Johnny Lawrence's life is a bit of a hot mess, and he decides that in an effort to make something of himself based on the recommendation of a student named Miguel Diaz, who wants to learn from Johnny the art of karate, he is going to reopen the Cobra Kai dojo. However, standing in Johnny's way for making Cobra Kai a success is his old arch rival, Danny LaRusso, who is a very successful car salesman and wants to make sure that the Cobra Kai dojo doors stay locked for good. So pretty much that sums up the series. Two things. First of all, Casey, 
I did not know that you had not watched The Karate Kid, so I am going to give you crap. Because how yeah, many times wild. on these episodes are you giving me crap for not watching movies that I need to watch? And you haven't seen I The Karate know. Kid? I fell in love with Ralph Macchio's character in The Outsiders, and that was the extent of my Ralph Macchio <laughs> exposure. Aw, <laughs> up, pony boy. <laughs> Add that to the list of another movie we need to watch yes. on our next pod retreat. So we'll be watching Batman yes. Forever, is it? And we'll be watching the original. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> Karate Kid. <laughs> the Karate Kid. All right. And then my second thing, what I love about this especially is because this is, you know, 35, nearly 40 years later, and they're doing this story, a similar story, but now they are the mentors. Now they are the teachers. And then they have a whole new cast of kids that come on. It's great. I mean, this is like all the rage now, even just thinking of Hocus Pocus doing this, you know, 30 years later mm -hmm. and how great it is. So it's just another fun way of telling a similar story in a new way. And what better way than to put it on the and pod? This, and exactly. it works so well with karate too, because sensei actually means teacher in Japanese. So mm -hmm. it really is instructional in nature. So I'm excited to dig in on how this relates to engagement. So without further ado, you're providing transitions again for us. We appreciate it. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about engagement and how we know kids are engaged. So yeah. there's levels from what I understand about student engagement. There are. And oftentimes when we see disengaged students, that's when we start seeing the first initial levels, right, of rebellion and retreatism. Students who are absolutely disconnected, disengaged with the content they are learning. Retreatism means that they are more passive and how they're interacting in class. These are the kids who are more likely to put their head down, just remain quiet, not turn anything in. Your rebellion are those students who actively divert attention away from instruction. They're disruptive to both their own learning and the learning of others. So that is where we see a lot of people really struggling with engagement. It's because they're witnessing those outward retreatism and rebellious behavior. Yeah. And the next level up there, the next two, we've often had in our conversations with instructional coaching or just in the circles of who we're working with, there's this ritual compliance and strategic compliance. Sometimes we see mm -hmm. educators saying, oh, my kids are engaged because they're strategically compliant or they're paying attention. They're there. But they don't have the commitment to the learning that really shows the cognitive and emotional and everything that goes with wanting to learn and being there for the right reasons. And that ritual compliance is the low attention and the low commitment, but yet you're not being disruptive. And so you're complying. And sometimes that's enough for teachers, but we would like to think that, mm -hmm. how can we level it up? I mean, honestly, as a learner, I feel like I was mostly in the compliances and the <laughs> retreatism land as a kid. Looking at this is almost like a little painful. I wish there had been more understanding of these ways of engagement because a lot of times stuff that I needed went under the radar because I was mostly compliant. You also find the students that are quote unquote playing school well mm -hmm. fall in that level of mm -hmm. either ritual compliance, they're going through the motions or the strategic compliance because they're aware of it, but they're really not quite at the level of engagement we want them at mm -hmm. to be at their deepest, best learning selves. 
Absolutely. The difference between the two, the strategic compliance is I am going to do this activity or complete this assignment because if I don't, my mom's going to harp on me. My teacher's going to give me a bad grade. My coach is going to talk to me and I'm going to have to do some extra laps because I'm getting a bad grade. Typically, the strategic part is I don't want someone to hassle me, so I'll do the thing. Also, typically when you ask students who are in this compliance phase two questions, if they are unable to answer these two questions, they're in compliance. What are you learning about today and why is it important Mm -hmm. to you Mm -hmm. and how does it connect to the learning you've done before? If a student is unable to answer those questions, it's very highly likely they're in either of those two compliance levels. Interesting. And then as far as ritual compliance, that really is more the students are doing the bare minimum. They might be turning in stuff and they're not distracting or like completely putting their head down and being actively disengaged, but they're passively disengaged mm-hmm. and doing the very lowest level of work that they can do to still be turning right. in work. Am I understanding that correctly? Yep. Absolutely. And then we finally get to engagement, the highest level. And there's multiple phases of engagement. We'll talk about those in a moment. But really, this is high attention and high commitment. This is where students are hanging on every word of both the teacher and themselves. When students are highly engaged, they look at the clock and, oh my gosh, class is ending. Can I take this home and continue working on it? All of that is indicative of those higher levels of engagement. And it sure is the holy grail. This is what people in the education field want to get to this level. Would you guys say that it is kind of like when you think of DOK levels or Bloom's Taxonomy or even SAMR, Mm -hmm. when we think of these continuums or we think of these levels, is it realistic to expect students to be at that deep engagement level at all times? I don't think deep so. Engagement? No, no, deep engagement, but maybe baseline or surface level engagement. That's really a place where students can enter into the learning. So creating and piquing students' curiosity and helping them understand the purpose behind what they're learning, that I think is possible and is your very minimum step of engagement, not necessarily compliance. And adding to that, I would say just based on everything we know about SEL and building out those skills in students, we do have to have the grace to understand that there are going to be students that have off days where they are just not capable Mm -hmm. because of whatever reason, maybe not because of your lesson or your lesson design or any of that, that a kid who normally is engaged cannot be engaged or feeling off. It does happen to all of us and our students. We give them grace for it. It's about building those SEL skills in our kids so that they have the self-awareness to know that they're off and then the ability to reach out and get the help that they need to get re-engaged into the class. And that is something that we've talked about before too, restorative practices, et cetera. So uh, as far as that's concerned, I don't think so. It's an important thing to mention because as we're talking about engagement, we all want our kids to be there all the time. We also want to be recognizant of the different levels in their own right and what Mm -hmm. they serve and what they mean for our students. Obviously, we're not going to want any to be in that rebellion level, (laughs) but we even come across that at times, right? But nonetheless, we just also want to recognize that there isn't one exact right way for a student to look. However, if we can get as many students in that highest level of deep engagement as Mm -hmm. often as possible, the real learning 
that we all aim for is going to be at its best. If it's okay with all of you, I'm going to bring it back to our metaphor, our connection to Cobra Kai right here. Yeah. When you're thinking about the highest, highest levels of engagement, the students of each dojo, and there's movement between seasons. People dojo hop because of dojo things hop. that happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for me, Miguel is highest level of engagement. Mm-hmm. For the entire season, even after he gets hurt, spoiler alert, sorry, he is that high attention. He, up until the last season, is committed to Johnny as his sensei. He wants to be the best version of himself because he sees the impact that karate has had on his life. Jenny, because I know you're the other Cobra Kai expert, can you make a connection to any of the other characters at any of the other levels? Way to put me on the spot, but I will try my best and please feel free to argue with me if I'm off. But okay, so my mind goes to season one, Robbie. Mm-hmm. And I would say he's probably in, oh, this one's hard. He goes through a few in season one, right? Yeah. His story is kind of dark or his origin is kind of dark and he's had a really rough life. And Johnny is his dad who left him basically and he was raised by his mom. There's some retreatism in his initial engagement. But I do believe as time goes on, he moves through really wanting to be a part of a dojo for the right reasons. Do you think he gets to engagement or is he more in the compliance realm? When he finally starts working with LaRusso, At the highest level, Mm -hmm. I do think he gets into engagement, but I would argue he starts in rebellion and it's him engaging in karate that brings him back up through the other's continuums. For anyone who's seen the show, if you're looking for an example of ritual compliance, that's Dimitri, one of the nerds. Yes, Dimitri, he's great. <laughs> he first tries to join Cobra Kai, right? And he thinks it's so dumb. He doesn't understand why he has to do this. He doesn't see the value in it. He doesn't appreciate or like Johnny's sensei teaching style. And so he has low attention, low commitment, and eventually through patience, on LaRusso's side, when he dojo hops, he moved mm. into more of those higher levels engagement. Mm-hmm. So those are perfect examples of how you see this continuum playing out in Cobra Kai. Well done. Bravo, Veach. Very nice. So bringing the metaphor back into our world, then, if we think about what LaRusso and Johnny and even going back to the movies, which Casey hasn't watched, but Jenny, you yep. and I have. Um, I've not watched the show, but I've watched the movies. But going back to the movies, what Miyagi does to get Daniel's attention and, and engagement, which I would argue he's an engagement by the end of those mm-hmm. as well. But he moves through the continuum a little too, I would argue, but that's mm-hmm. another conversation. So you've given some examples of what you've seen in the show in these different characters or movies, what have you. But what are we looking for? in students, maybe what hasn't been mentioned yet. I'm going to start, instead of by talking about what does it look like, I'm going to add a little bit of a disconnect. Sometimes when we think students are engaged, the look for's are, are they sitting up? Are they listening? Are they asking or answering questions? Are they nodding to affirm the things that we're saying? Are they tracking the speaker? That's actually an acronym slant that I've seen in some research on engagement. And if you think about those look-fors, just because someone is doing those things doesn't mean they're actually engaged. That really could be, and for the most part they are, look-fors of compliance. Yep, ding, ding, ding. Tracking yeah. the speaker. Exactly. So we have to think about as teachers, what 
are some different things that we could look for or ways that we can design our instruction that fits some of the engagement levels that we're about to share with you. Totally agree. Like slant is almost painful to listen to. It is so teacher centered. And when we think about wanting to have more student centered instruction, the look for's need to be different. So then what are those look for's? All of this starts with emotional engagement. That means students and learners feel a sense of belonging or this is the place I am meant to be. Emotional engagement ties in, do I feel connected to the person in this space? I feel like Hawk after he comes back with his mohawk for the first time, that's an indication for me of his emotional engagement. What Johnny said to him about flipping the script, giving them something else to talk about and look at, helped him feel more of that emotional connection to that dojo. Yeah, you betcha. He totally buys in there. So when you have that full on buy in that you were there and fully present, and I guess that even goes into the next one, then emotion is that first one or that emotional engagement, but behavioral engagement is also important to mention. And let's even tie it back to what we just talked about with slant. A lot of those are behaviors. However, they're very passive behaviors and they're compliant behaviors. Hey, are you behaving, quote unquote, in the way you should to have this class run in a teacher-centered way, which we don't want. Behavioral engagement, we really want to see students in the driver's seat, owning the learning. They're the ones moving around in the classroom. They're the ones that are curious and asking questions, and they're doing the heavy cognitive lifting and even activity lifting, depending on what the lesson is displaying. Yeah, kids create when they're behaviorally engaged. And I would argue too, I know it's a little bit of a sidestep, but this behavioral engagement, if you buy into the wrong methodology, you can't see my air quotes, podcast listeners, but oh, there. <laughs> kids, the kids in Cobra Kai, when it's taken over by John Kreese, they vandalize the LaRusso house. They make really bad decisions that hurt other students because that's what their teacher has sort of set them up to do. And so really behavioral engagement ties into, like you're saying, Jenny, the student activities. How are students tapping into the learning activities as of the things they're learning? And I guess it would be important to also mention in order for those behaviors to be positive in nature and along the lines of what a strong classroom environment looks like. You also can fit in there, especially early on the foundational needs you have, like what does it mean to be a learner in this classroom? Do you have co-created classroom norms and all of that to make Mm -hmm. sure that those run smoothly. But nonetheless, we want to make sure that it is very student-centered. And then I would also agree that there needs to be some cognitive look for us there. Kind of going back to karate land here. When you think about the point when even Daniel as a young guy stops going from compliant into actual engagement, it's when he understands the connection between all the wax on, wax off stuff. He makes a mental connection. And that's where the cognitive engagement occurs for him, I would say. But I'm sure you guys have more Cobra Kai-centric examples. I do. And to me, the biggest example of this is the cement truck scene where Johnny forces all the kids to get into the cement truck and push the cement. Otherwise, they're going to get stuck. If we don't keep growing, if we don't keep pushing and moving forward, we're never going to be the best that we can be. And there's five kids that crawl into the cement truck and actually move it. And you can just 
feel I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that scene. The kids are all in to this activity and you can tell the point, although dangerous, really hit home and was both mentally, emotionally, and cognitively engaging for all of them. That's a really good example of the tangible, what that looks like. And that's what's hard about cognition is it's so meta and it's so abstract that it's hard to measure. And so visible thinking classrooms, when we are using those visible thinking strategies, it really helps bring what cognition is happening, what is the cognitive lifting students are or are not doing, and how are we monitoring that real-time student data or evidence in the process of the learning environment so that we can really see as best we can the abstract nature of what needs to happen in the brain to be able to be cognitively engaged. And tagging onto that, that's why it's so incredibly important to be maybe a little more overt about putting those metacognitive opportunities in the classroom where that thinking does become more visible and maybe, dare I say it, measurable. Way to throw back to metacognition episode. And just to add in, It's more of a feel like necessarily than a look for like the visible thinking routines. It ultimately feels like flow. The Mm -hmm. entire 45 minutes that you have with your students goes by in the blink of an eye for all parties, for all students in that classroom when they are all cognitively engaged in learning. For sure. All right. So we know what it feels like and we have an idea in those three areas, what are some examples of it and what it might look like. So when we're thinking about what we can do to tap into the science of our kids' brains and help those types of engagement occur, what are the teachers doing? What are we doing? So first and foremost, we want to tap into the reward center of our students' brains, finding ways to create a rush of dopamine. One of the books that I've been reading recently is by lifelong educator Mike Anderson called Tackling the Motivation Crisis. And he highlights six ways to do this by tapping into students' intrinsic motivation. So the first is competence. How can we help students feel like they know how to do something so that we can build in that inertia to keep trying that thing? Peaking student curiosity through novelty. Our brains love things that are novel and unique. And so how do we tap into that? In this podcast before, we've talked about several other ones, including autonomy, like giving students more flexibility and choice, creating that sense of belonging. That's number four, tapping into fun and clarifying purpose. So those are all of Anderson's suggested six factors for motivating and tapping into internal motivation. And we even went through and made sure that we got the episode numbers for you, especially four of these six that Casey had just run through, because whether you are a longtime listener of the GLG and you know all of these episodes or you're new to us and you are following along for some of our very first ones this season and you want to go back, we talk in depth, especially with Autonomy, Season 2, Episode 18, in the Talk Nerdy to Me series where we talk about blended learning. Me and Emily, your sister, Katie, and I, <laughs> we were totally bonding over our love for blended learning. And then there's also fun. We talk in that similar series, the Talk Nerdy to Me series season two episode 18 would be the one you'd want to go back to for that one and that is where we talk with stephanie crawford about games also in season one we did a strategy heavy episode called the games we play so we've actually done two episodes on games oh of course because you love your games casey how could we not permanent games are and then emily what are the other two 
So yeah, I'm reminded of a couple where we're talking about belonging. I kind of towed the line into talking about one of them before a little bit. I definitely would say restorative practices, which we talked about really recently in the first episode of this current season that we're in, season three. And then the other one that came to mind, I know I had mentioned SEL earlier. I'm thinking of the great SEL show episode where we were talking about British Bake Off with Carla Tantillo-Philbert, and that was in season two, episode 19, right at the end of our second season. And additionally, when we talk about students having purpose, this really gets us back to design thinking. So that's where we were talking to Kristen Lodge. We love you. We were talking to her all about design thinking through design thinking is life. Remember when we were talking a lot about Twister and redesigning it, but really about designing things intentionally and with purpose. And that was season two, episode seven, if you want to go back and listen. All really good ones. So now that we've got all these awesome tie-ins and things that you can do to create motivation and different types of engagement that we want to be aware of, let's go back to the dojos here. Back to the dojo, friends. Looking at each of these individual dojos, what kind of engagement are we seeing? What strategies do you see these senseis doing or trying with their students? Let's start with Johnny. He's the main character of Cobra Kai in his dojo. What are you seeing? Yes. And I would say Cobra Kai in the first two seasons and then Eagle Fang. Yes. New version <laughs> of the Cobra Kai. Can we get t-shirts? Okay. <laughs> we need the Eagle Fang t-shirts. <laughs> They're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that name is really strange. I mean, imagine it's an eagle with fangs. Like, Come like, on. Really? <laughs> it's like a vampire <laughs> eagle. What the heck? So amazing. I'm crying <laughs> because I love it Well, so and much. that's a time out because I do have to mention this and then we'll get back on track. There's something about this series they do not take themselves seriously. Like it is corny. You could tell that they're trying to make 80s humor come back again. It's just great. Eagle Fang just is added to the mix in that. Love it. One of the things that I find that motivates the Johnny Lawrence, Cobra Kai and Eagle Fang is competence, right? Johnny for much of his life has felt like he is an absolute failure and he instills in his students or at least tries to instill in his students that they are not losers. They have to be strong and we're going to be dudes and bros. And yeah, it's very, you know, machismo (laughs) going on. But to me, that's at the center of everything that he strives for and does in those first few seasons. Eventually, he shifts towards more autonomy, not through the lens necessarily of choice, but honor. Right. We want to win, not necessarily by any means necessary, but we want to do the right thing and be better and learn better than what Cobra Kai stood for before. So Miyagi-Do is Danny LaRusso's. Well, it was originally, oh, help me, help me out. Mr. Miyagi. That's why it's Miyagi-Do. Hello. (laughs) Hence the name. There I go again. Miyagi-Do, under Danny LaRusso's leadership, I believe he really does. And I know, Casey, you've written these. I'm sure this is not the one you're thinking of, but I'll go there and then you can say yours, is belonging. He is bringing the legacy of Mr. Miyagi and all that he has learned from him into his young karate children (laughs) and how, (laughs) what is plural of kid, kids, children. The karate kids. Students. Defense is the most important to protect yourself and belong to a group of individuals that care about each other and take care of each other. So that's the one that comes to mind when I think of Miyagi-Do. Any others that I'm missing for Miyagi-Do? 
I mean, there are others in here too, like fun is tapped into a little bit more in Miyagi-Do. To me, belonging was key because what greater defense is there than using the skills that you have to protect somebody else, which is... Oh, and the fun one, now that you said that, what makes me think of them on the balancing in the pond. Like they're trying to knock each other into the pond and they all get wet. They do have a lot of fun and being serious isn't their first go-to. I would wonder about purpose too with what you just said about them looking to defend other people too, that there's a sense of purpose in what they do in that dojo. And there is a mix of all of these. I think for me, the one truly driven by purpose is the Cobra Kai when it's headed by John Kreese and Terry Silver. They have a Cobra Kai legacy and all of their students are responsible for living and upholding all of that legacy. And so to me, I see that one as being the primary focus of that particular dojo with competence also built in. The only way you're going to help our legacy live on is by being a master at your karate craft. Stop me if I'm wrong about John Kreese and Terry Silver. Autonomy, belonging, and fun are not very much a part of that at all. (laughs) They rule by fear and fist. Yes. And Unethically. I'm starting to understand the JoJo yeah, hot thing. Yeah. I'm getting it. Now you understand. I do. I do. All right. So it's all coming together then. We've talked about these different dojos and talked about the different types of engagement, what to look for, what are some of the strategies to create that motivation. And we've also gone through the GLG back catalog and talked about where are some of those areas where we've done a deep dive in the past. However, that leaves us with a couple that we haven't really touched upon in depth before. That's curiosity and competency. So you can bet you'll be seeing those in part two of this two-parter episode series about Cobra Kai and Karate Kid and engagement, of course. So that said, it is game time. And y'all, this is going to get weird (laughs) because guess what the game are today? (laughs) It is our non-Cobra Kai watcher that is going to be me. So I'm going to try two games are here. Now that said, I wouldn't feel right about this if I didn't let Casey break down what the game is. Absolutely. And then I'm going to take over. Yeah, I'm totally happy to. So we're playing three second trivia. So Emily is going to ask a question. Jenny or I will have to buzz in using beep, 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 our favorite buzzer. (laughs) 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 to buzz in when we have the answer to that question. And Emily will keep track of points. And the winner wins some pretty amazing Cobra Kai swag. Also, I'm just enjoying my John Kreese style hostile takeover of your game. (laughs) Can I at least preface this game first by saying, listener friends, I never win these games. Like, ever (laughs) win these games. And that Casey would think that she and I could go head to head on any trivia and I even have a chance at getting any of these right is hilarious to me. Seriously, Veach, do you really <laughs> think this is going to be competitive? Because <laughs> It might be. Some of the questions I did pick because I thought you might know. How engaged will I be here? Am I Dimitri <laughs> and just going through the motions? <laughs> <Did you compliance? laughs> You're in compliance mode. (laughs) Or full out rebellion. I don't know. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, with that in mind, we are going to get started. Jenny, bring all of your best strategic <sighs> compliance to the table and let's kick this game off. So again, we are going fast here. Let's see how like, this works. With timing, oh. I, this game is lost, but let's go. <laughs> Yeah. All right, I'm a slow so thinker too. So she, let's pick the game that you have to think fast. Oh, hmm, who's going to win that one? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, Jenny. Normally, I might try to give her a threat, but I am giving us more things to watch on our next right, GLG right. retreat. To be fair, <laughs> let's see how this goes. And if it's an absolute bloodbath, then we can maybe. <laughs> how, about this? how about this? I won't answer the first two questions. Oh, so you have a semi handicap. <laughs> Not a game. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. Let's go. Sweep the leg, Veach. Let's go. <laughs> I'm gonna no more Danny LaRusso snap toe kick your nose in this. No, let's do the crane kick. Let's go. Crane kick. See, this is not this is not starting well. Oh man, we've already messed up some truth. <laughs> All right. So on that wonderful note, let's begin with question number one, which is ready? Name the actor behind Daniel LaRusso. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. Jenny, you're Ralph first. Macchio. Woo! Woo! Jenny, she totally Jenny. paused. She totally paused. Mm -mm. All right, let's go. No, she was probably like, Johnny? Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Next question then would be, how many years after the original Karate Kid series is Cobra Kai set? Beep, 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 beep. Casey. 30. Wrong, Kate. <gasps> Jenny for Jenny, the steal. You got to try. Beep, 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 beep. 32. Oh, you're both wrong. No one gets a point. Do I get a point? No, you're... you're <laughs> if everybody's wrong, I'm going to give myself a point because I'm the game czar. <laughs> <laughs> 34 years after oh, the original so series. So next question would be, who is Johnny Lawrence's protege? Beep, 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 beep. Casey? Miguel Diaz. What season are we talking? Mm. Always been Miguel. No, Miguel, he dojo jumps. Miguel never dojo jumps. <laughs> no, he does. My source agrees with Casey, so I'm going to go ahead and reward that point to Casey. But, but he joins Miyagi-Do uh, for a little bit. Oh, that's when Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang merge. Okay. Miyagi-Fang. Miyagi-Fang? Is that what it's Casey's called? No. Okay, now I'm picturing a t-shirt with Miyagi fangs on it, just so you know. <laughs> GLG Miyagi fangs t-shirt coming at you. GLG Miyagi fang, new merch. Anyways, okay, let's start with this one then. The first season of Cobra Kai premiered on... Beep, 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 beep. Can I give just Jenny? the year? Um, I think it yes. was the station. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought like the date. <laughs> I'm like, you can, and you'll be wrong, but... I thought about, like, on December 17th, 2018. No. <laughs> no. Damn it. All right, I'm wrong. Okay. Let's put it back out there to the masses, then. Beep, 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 beep. Casey? YouTube. YouTube, you don't say. Ding, 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 ding. Casey, good job. You get that point. So <laughs> now what is our score here? I feel like I should be keeping better track of this. Oh, two to one. All right. Two to one. How many questions Sorry, more do we got? Just a couple. Do so you want to do one more? One more? That would be an even number of questions. And we could end in a draw. Okay. We cannot have that. So absolutely okay. not. We'll do <laughs> odd number. All right. So this one is interesting. It gets into personal stuff a little bit. Not about the characters. Being an 
avid rock climber is a hobby of which Cobra Kai actor? Beep, 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 beep. I'm going to guess the actor who plays Robbie, Tanner Buchanan. Uh, incorrect. So, Jenny, would you like to go for who the avid rock climber is? No, because that would assume I know what any of their actor names are. <laughs> no, you could say the character. Oh, I can? <laughs> All right. I'll go with Sam, Samantha's character. You are also incorrect. <laughs> Shocking. And we are looking at Jacob Bertrand, who plays... It's Hawk! Hawk! What? Yeah, Hawk. Ah, that's Hawk? Okay. That's Hawk. Can I picture him with a moment? Are you Googling right. over there, Veach? I am. How I are you playing Jacob Fairley and using no, 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 no. On your honor, first. you are only Googling <laughs> after the answer, okay. right? Yeah. All right. Okay. okay. All right. To be fair, Jenny, you should know how fast she can Google stuff. All right. So it's still 2-1. Mm-hmm. How much more of this am I going to take? Last question. And if you tie it, then I will just have to award dojo prizes accordingly. Last but not least, who declined to reprise their Karate Kid role for Cobra Kai? I think I might even know this one. (laughs) But go on. Three, two, one. I'm going to make a guess, but I'm also going to be honest in that I don't know. The only person I knew who was in the original was Elizabeth Shue. She did come back for one episode, though, but I'm still going to say it was her. She just came back probably after pressure. So that's interesting, Casey, but it is also wrong. because I think because of that single cameo that she does not end up being that person. So, Jenny, do you want to give it a try in three, two, one? You could even just say a character. <laughs> For our listeners, Jenny just has her hand covering her face. I have nobody. I don't know. Trivia is not my thing. Are we ready for the answer yes, to that then? Get Leaving this the score over with, <laughs> please. Out of our misery. Okay, so the actor in question was Chad McQueen. Oh, don't know who that is. He apparently played Dutch in The Karate Kid and The Karate Kid 2. I'm thinking he was a, okay. one of the sidekicks to Johnny and... Friends, he also, I just learned from Google, because I can Google sort of fast as well, is the only son of actor Steve McQueen. So there's another piece of trivia that has nothing to do with anything. And this is why we do not play bar trivia, even though before this episode, I was like, we should play bar trivia. But now I'm Mm -mm. thinking that would be a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) So now that we are officially out of our misery on that one, I'm going to award Casey a prize. And that is a solid gold Ghee. <laughs> I was hoping yeah. for a ghee. It's like completely gold and it has a Miyagi Fang logo on it. So congratulations, oh. Casey. I should now with pride. As anyone should. And now for a taste of what's to come, we mentioned that we are doing a two-parter here. And since we have these duo dueling dojos in our metaphor, we also want to bring a second episode into the mix here too. We're going to episode hop, just like dojo hopping. And we're going to be talking some more about this. And like we had mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing a deep dive onto those two areas that we didn't in past episodes, curiosity and competency, and how we can use those to level up student engagement. So please join us for that episode. We can't wait to continue talking about this. No more trivia. We promise. (laughs) Bye, y'all. And that's a wrap. It's so good to be behind the mics talking to you all. 
Thanks for choosing to come around to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teams. If you'd like to connect, the power of the PLN continues as always, and you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Do you even realize your feedback is everything? Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review, as well as subscribing? You can find us wherever you stream. Thanks as always for tuning in to be a part of the Grounded Learners Guild. That's it for us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode. See you at the next Guild meeting. And don't forget, in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.